Every now and then, a new show comes along that for no particular reason catches fire. Recently, there was Squid Game and Tiger King, Queen's Gambit, before that, Empire, Duck Dynasty, My Little Pony, series that no one could have predicted would break out, captivate audience, and ingrain itself into our pop culture. And I'm not talking about Lost, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, those type of shows. They have money, hype, expectation built into their production. When it comes to surprises, though, those are the outliers that are special. They're not necessarily good or bad, but they tap into something that the public didn't even know it was interested in. And there's no question that Julian Fellow's Downton Abbey is an outlier. A historical drama set in the early 20th century portraying a family of British aristocrats juxtaposed with their domestic servants, it admittedly had a decent budget and strong cast, but at its core it was a stuffy British costume drama primarily expected to entertain your grandma. Yet, it became an international phenomenon. The most watched drama in PBS history, over 10 million UK viewers an episode, it launched the careers of people like Michelle Dockery, Dan Stevens, Jessica Brown Finley, ran for six seasons, multiple episodes, two movies, and one spinoff. And we're here to talk about that spinoff, The Gilded Age. We watched the 80-minute premiere, read the reviews, prepared some notes, and so, without further ado, it's the end of January, and you're listening to today's episode. begin. The White Lotus, Downton Abbey, Upstairs, Downstairs, Empire, Succession, The Gilded Age. You may not have heard of all of those shows, but what do they all, do you think, have in common? Uh, They're all ensemble casts. Well, that's true, but think deeper. That they're all wealthy. It's ostentatious excess of wealth. Shameless opulence. Highbrow arrogance. A bunch of entitled snobs with money. Yeah, right? but very pompous as well, especially when you get to like... So why have all those shows been successful, though, if they're just around a bunch of jerks? Because I think that a lot of people want to put themselves in that position of having a lot of money. And so like, you think it's it's envy? You think it's I, I escapism? Think more it's, yeah, escapism is the word for it. Like, you want to see the POV. You don't necessarily want to have all the drama of being wealthy, but you want to see what these people do with and, the money. And who is most likely to watch these type of shows? Is it kids? Is it like Well, out of the ones that people? you named, I, yeah. think, I think it's like kind of various. But when it comes to Downton Abbey, I would say the older generation. I don't think there many kids watching the white lotus no but with something like succession i think they all right take succession out of there though okay out of the rest of them then probably you you're going you're looking at a more adult audience right right the type of audience that might turn its nose up at teen shows right yeah (laughs) for doing the exact same thing think about it gossip girl rebel day one of us is lying control z there's literally a show called privileged and they're all about high maintenance affluent posh teenagers so the same type of characters just represented in a younger format and it's the same arguments the same discussions the same relationships the same like i'm better than you the the hierarchy of different levels of uh who's richer like well i think that the reason for that is because a lot of the times when it's dealing with teens they try to go like kind of the amateurish route with it Mm -hmm. like they make characters make dumb decisions and and it also just sound dumb decisions and they come across well they come across way more snobby because you have actual real life things like the hype house and in the like the emilio well we were about to get to that with scripted shows what i'm saying is that it doesn't matter if you're watching something targeted towards adults or something targeted towards teens if you like any of the shows that we've mentioned there they basically have the same plot and so you can't really like one and hate on the other one or hate the audience of another one and then when we move on to reality things like kardashians real housewives hype house the hills what are all of those surrounding money 
and fame yeah, and the power and, that comes around and what it. they do. It's the same thing. So anyone who's watching like those teen shows and saying, well, at least it's not reality, you're still watching. It's all one big conspiracy at this point because it's all the same content, different package, pretentious assholes being snooty, and for some reason it sells. Yeah, well, I think, again, it has to deal with putting yourself in the main characters or something like Gossip Girl. reason why people in their teens are probably going to want to watch it is because you it want to put yourself them. into the main characters. The you main characters are usually to. the no, the main characters are usually the trash people. Yeah, but you also like might know someone like that. Like with teens, the reason why they put teens in Gossip Girl is so that teens will somewhat connect to them. Same, I feel like with Down and Abbey, same with Succession. If you're like of that generation, I think it just deals with seeing people I have the to same disagree. age. I think that it has to do with the curiosity to get absorbed in other drama outside of their own lives i'm just saying that like the lavish life i think a lot of people want well the gilded age i, I feel like some people and even down nabby people watch and say oh it's historical i'm learning right, right yeah because it takes place in 1882 <laughs> it's historical fiction though so be careful with what like they try their best but okay so never the new that's the first episode here again 80 minutes of content it's the first of nine episodes and that's after they had to do reshoots to consolidate the plot because it was even longer at one point. Really? Do you have a list of good and bad? Yeah, I do. All right, our pros and cons. I do too. I want to see how many of ours connect because we both watched well, this. Well, I had, I had a list even like uh, things that if they didn't have in this episode, I would have been shocked with that I knew I was already going to like. Okay. Like, like starting even before the episode, I knew that it was going wait, to wait, have... Wait, wait, wait. Before we get into pros and cons, I just wanted to ask you, do you know what the Gilded Age is though? Like obviously having seen the episode, you figured no, I, out. But I don't, I don't like... Like where the term came from? I, I'm assuming it's an era. It became popular in the 20s, the 1920s not now yeah, right but it was coined in the late 19th century by mark twain post-civil war wall street being created industrialization higher wages the railways uh they touched upon that in this episode factories labor unions immigration the robber barons inequality greed and of course the crazy wealth gap so by the 1890s one percent of america owned 51 percent of all the property in like the world is that like or a, in our, our nation do you know if that's the first time that that started to happen like that's when well, suddenly yeah. the big gap basically that's what i'm saying is the gilded age is what when the rich became so rich that they started fighting amongst themselves as to who is really supposed to be rich <laughs> yeah. well it seems like that's a similar vein in a ton of other tv shows such as like the crown or like anything that comes to family politics yeah the crown uh, i also compared this sort of to the nick just because of the setting, not because of any of the, the political stuff. Oh that well, we're the just setting, about. the setting like reminded me of a ton of different things. I had uh, Peaky Blinders, Westworld, Into the West, uh, Pennyworth, Dickinson, a little bit for the setting, but also kind of like the female. Do you know when Peaky Blinders thing. took place? Uh, I think nineteen nineteen. It was nineteen nineteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just found it funny because this is like eighteen eighty two, right? Yeah, New York Gilded Age, right? Mm -hmm. But we've done so many shows recently around that exact time period. Godless, I know we didn't, we didn't do that one, but eighteen eighty four. Taylor Sheridan's 1883, 1883, obviously. 1872, we had Around the World in 80 Days. What is it with us being obsessed with this era and this time? Okay, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like right after the Civil War then. Like, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I, things were changing. I guess. It was the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. Gilded yeah. Age. Yeah, I, I get it's an interesting time period, but it's just so strange that the proximity to which all these shows are coming out at the same time. That I just wanted to touch upon that. Now we can get to our pros and cons. Um, yeah, you go first. Yeah, the things that I knew that I was probably going to like going into it were the costumes, the set design as well. Just like, again, it reminded me of Westworld, if anything, because you saw all the different stores and everything. The cinematography um, and then... Uh, Could you tell that there was a lot of CGI? There was CGI in this? Yeah, 
there I was cannot, some CGI. I cannot tell there was CGI at all. What did they CGI? The backgrounds sometimes. Like, they shot in some pretty cool places. You shot in Newport and Troy and Terrytown, Manhattan. But they definitely added some, like, CGI to, to spice it up and make it look more well, like it was yeah, I mean, back it, in time. It looked like it was it was real. The and costumes, then, I agree with you, though. The costumes and the sets are always amazing. Downton Abbey, you can't... Right. You can't expect anything less. It is such, yeah, it, it's such, like, a stellar part of it. And then also, of course, the acting and the family politics, I thought, were you displayed like the well. Yeah, I thought that... I, there wasn't one actor where I was like, you know, this is great, except for them. It was just kind of like... Yeah, the acting, the acting I thought was good. You I have who's some, gotten a lot of credit. I'm going to guess it was uh, Agnes. Be, yeah, Agnes has, but I the person who's gotten like the most surprising credit. Like everybody's like, I've seen Cynthia Nixon in like Sex in the City, and I just wasn't a big fan of her character. But who was she in this? She was Ada, so Aunt Ada, the secondary okay, so. to her, and she plays such a great like role. She does such a good different job than she's than anywhere else. I can see why people have made that like. Well, she's like the most likable character on the show, her? though. I feel like it's a little bit easy. I'm not trying to say that she's not Marianne. No, but she's the but she's the like she's the aunt. She's that, the good aunt. Yeah, she's the good aunt that like encourages everything. Like like she Agnes remind, literally those didn't, two remind me of like Sabrina and the teenage witch. Those aunts. <laughs> yeah, but like Agnes literally didn't want Marianne to like stay there at all. Didn't want anything to do with her. Eh, I mean, that's not true. I think she's just more of a bully. She's more stubborn, but I, I don't think she didn't want her to stay there. Like, she's the one who's like, we're going to give you an allowance at the end. Or uh, She just wants to stand up for her. She's strict, I guess. Very strict, yes. But she has a reason for it. She has an edge because of the way that she grew up and because she feels betrayed by, I think, their brother, Henry or Harry or whatever, yeah. who hurt the Marianne's dad. Um, yeah, what else did you like? It had a good amount of suspense, and you would think that maybe with, like, the first 40 minutes introducing characters and then, like, midway through them actually introducing the main story of that episode would maybe seem a little rushed or, or not as well done, but I kind of like that you were introduced to the characters before you actually got where the story was supposed to be going uh, for the rest of the episode. What was the story, you think? The fact that Marianne was wanting to attend the party and how the party so ended up So you see Marianne out. as the main central Focal character. Point. Yeah, yeah. What about the Russells? The Russells obviously are a huge part of it, but they're more the antagonists of all. In fact, but do you think the new money is the antagonist? Yeah, and not the heroes. Well, I, I, again, you can find kind of dirt, I think, on any of these char- characters. But I think that the Russells, yeah, they're kind of posed, especially at the very end when like Miss Russell, like it just completely loses her mind over the fact that the party wasn't as big a hit as it was supposed to be. Yeah, I think, that, and like you see her crying and just incredibly mad about it. Yeah, I think she's going to be the antagonist. But my favorite character was George Russell. <laughs> he hey, me. we share the same favorite character. He reminded me, and that I know. It was a fun scene to see him kind of screw over the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, he like, kind of, by, I, th- I think the Russell's more down to earth, like, a lot like James Marsden in Westworld. Kind of like, yeah, he's evil, but he's definitely he someone. He loves his wife, he loves his family. Yeah, and so he far. cares yeah. about what he's able to do, and he's being able to do well business wise. I think you're supposed to like him, and I, I've liked his previous work when he was in Homeland, and, and uh, he's been in a couple of things. But I agree with most of your points. I just wanted to highlight a couple others. I really liked how they compared the two houses they had them next door to each other and then like obviously this tension that exists and because uh agnes van ryan's uh character is supposed to be like entrenched as the old rich and the people who would never accept the new rich and she just happens to be neighbors with like the most wealthy new rich individuals who want to fit in so bad it, i like that tension that exists i also like that it felt like the entire episode was a big old play like the theatrical yeah. performances and the reason for that partly is because Broadway was shut down during COVID. So what they did was they went searching for 
almost every big Broadway person they could get, and they got them. Oh, I thought you like, were going to say. Nathan Lane's going to show up later on in this series. You got the main character, uh, Christine Baranski, the Agnes lady, who actually played the mother of Cynthia Nixon uh, in a previous play back in like the 80s. And then you had her working with like a ton of the people that she's done theater work. It, like most of these people have had have a theater background, and that's why it felt like wait, that. Wait, so let me get this straight. Agnes, yes. back in the eighties, played the mother of Cynthia Nixon, and it, Cynthia Nixon played it's her sister now. <laughs> isn't that isn't that strange? Yeah, but I think it's cool that they actually found a positive to COVID, like that they were able to cast all these people, and so like the budget behind this, the casting behind this, the setting behind yeah. this, it's it's really good. Um, oh, and also, the, I, I didn't understand because I didn't watch the original, but I could tell that there was a lot of references to the original. A lot of times that they were, like, bringing there's up a lot of parallels. Who, who owned the house. Well, I, like, also... But could, there's no, like, mention of so the So there's original. no direct In mention, fact, yeah, okay. right now, this is not technically a spinoff because we haven't actually connected the two. Oh, okay. I thought that, like... Who, the original was... took place in, in Britain. All and right. That, so when we get to the bads, we're actually going to talk a little bit about that. But I wanted to just say that the Montague Capulet's Shakespearean-like tension that exists between those two families also felt like this because it feels like even Marianne is going to fall in love with Larry at some yeah. point. Yeah, it's... It, <laughs> there, there's so many characters that I introduced. In fact, the Bethora characters is my last kind of good point of Oh, the you show. like the amount yeah. of characters. How about Pumpkin the Dog? Is that a character you liked? I didn't... <laughs> I didn't have him down as my no, I didn't consider him to be I like that they mentioned all these games throughout the episode. You had croquet and badminton and cinch, whatever that was, because they were like, well, yeah. you'll learn. Uh, and solitaire. Um, at one point, Agnes was playing solitaire on the thing. And so, yeah, that was basically rounding out my goods for the episode. I have, I have a mixed section. Do you have that at all? Not exactly. Okay, no. I'll just go through it really fast. One um, in my mixed section is information flying a mile a minute. I usually like when that happens, but there was just so many characters' names and so many characters that I had to keep track of where it felt a little overwhelming at times but still that meant that like throughout the hour and 20 minutes it kept it moving so mm -hmm. that's that's where both sides uh slow burns and plot progression i know that that's what the original downton abbey was i kind of felt it with uh this here i i don't usually like slow burns so that's why i'm saying anyone else who liked probably downton abbey i imagine you like this and it probably moves at the same pace yeah. just for me it was you know here or there and then the characters were well usually an 80 minute thing can feel like 40 hours like it can be really exhausting yeah. to get through yeah and this didn't feel like that and so yeah that, that's where i have my mixed session all right I, I do have one mixed actually um because the decider article or whatever it mentioned that <laughs> the person who plays the russell's daughter the one who hasn't come out yet or whatever mm -hmm. as they put it yeah. um she is actually played by um someone who is 27 years old and so they were really pissed off about that. Yeah. They were like, she doesn't look like she shouldn't be out there. She's 27 years. And I was like, I didn't notice. I didn't so notice half either. Good, half yeah. bad. <laughs> At least some people noticed. And I just wanted to mention that. Okay. Um, for for the bad stuff though, what's what's the big stuff that you want to highlight? Okay, well my main criticism of the show is that characters are clearly defined by one trait and yes, that one trait only. You're not alone. With and that. whenever that one trait, it was it was like constant throughout the episode uh -huh. agnes continually had to be mean and and like you know uh Straight, ada always like had to said. be the nice one marianne always had to have something like bad happen to her only to have like something good kind of like it was just continual throughout the episode and i understand it's a pilot you want to introduce the characters that way but there comes a point where it's like i get it <laughs> yeah but when you have a cast of nine thousand people you kind of have to simplify their traits so that you remember them later it just on. felt like some of the things were overblown though you know i understand that yeah, yeah. i agree with you one of the big complaints i had all also followed the simplicity of stuff because 
in the end, we just got a lot of the same argument. Like, I'm new. Change and accept right. it. Yeah. And then the other people were like, we're old. You'll never be good enough. <laughs> like, it was just back and forth of that same message over and over and over again. And the repetition, the endless meets and greets, mm -hmm. the lots of just name after name after name of new people. We got Miss Scott, Miss Turner, Miss Brooke, Mrs. Morris, Mrs. Augustine Chamberlain, Miss Haster, who's a real person, Agnes Van Rain, Aunt Ada, Marianne, Peggy, Aurora, <laughs> Mr. Bannister, Church, Watson, Mr. White, Mr. Adams, Mrs. Griswold. That was just mentioned, though. Oscar, Larry, Gladys, the Russells. I didn't even want to go into all their names. Right. I did say Larry, though. So, um, yeah, there's just a ton of people. There's in Downton. They simplified it to one family, and then they kind of branched out every once in a while to other stuff. Oh, it was but, only one family in Downton Abbey? Yeah, basically. But this, it's like too many. Too many families <laughs> for your first episode. But the creator does talk about that, and we'll, we'll get to his point in a minute. Uh, what's your next negative? I feel like I find it with any of these shows, but every single character had to be pompous, always kind of making my dislikability for them mm -hmm. always go a little bit more higher than maybe it should. Harder to root for? <laughs> yeah. Even, like, with Marianne, it's like she's living in this huge mansion with, like, obvious people that, like, care for her and was able to get Peggy a job there, who yeah. was obviously nice to them. It's just... It, it in was... the end, you're sort of forced to choose a camp. Like, you're either for the old rich snobs or the new rich snobs. Right. But either way, you're rooting for sort of a bad guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so it makes it harder to root for those characters but mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point um i found that the stakes weren't super high like oh no my neighbor doesn't like me no i, I agree with that because <laughs> because they made it seem when like i was very interested to see where marianne when she entered the party what was going to happen and it's just like oh no she shows up she speaks to a few people she leaves <laughs> that, that, that was the payoff to that and i was like for how often you were building that storyline up to just have it be she she's introduced to a couple they people they could have cut it down and we just don't know yeah well yeah, yeah but yeah give it the benefit of the doubt mm -hmm. i found that some of the dialogue was forced in order to give the characterization you were talking about with like peggy and marianne meeting the uh, back and forth between them when she's getting onto the train the first time yeah. it was like a slog to sit through because i was like yeah we get it we get what's happening here this feels like you're just defining a character for us and then the ending line by bertha who's obviously very upset that her party didn't go as well as she wanted to and she's like i'll never give up i was like oh god <laughs> <laughs> and as progressive a show as it is they do sort of push that message when they say things like why don't you do it women have been yeah, successful writers yeah. for years and it was like okay wink nod to the audience more <laughs> no I, I understand that point yeah you yeah kinda like you were saying just like the oddball lines that feel like they were just kind of thrown in yeah to... i'd be enjoying the episode and then like that would just be thrown in there and i'd be like that felt like some writer was like hey what if we just added that right here <laughs> or just threw it in anywhere um we didn't get a lot of the downstairs people no usually we, usually we... it's kind of more equally um the story between the the rich people and then those people who That's are true. like serving the rich from Dominic's. yeah yeah that also kind of happens a little bit in Peaky Blinders but like we got we saw the chef we kind of, we kind of know the chef a little bit how, how do we know the chef well you saw him in more oh he was just pissed yeah. off that you had to yeah. make so much food <laughs> what'd you think of all the food I was like, I, seriously, they weren't able to, it seemed like they weren't able to eat any of it. I thought it was destined because as soon as the, uh, her main like lady, I forgot what she, her name was, um, but the one who had worked for like Gwendolyn or whatever her name was, she seemed so like she knew what was up. And I wonder if she's going to become an evil character, like an adversary to the Russells, the more that she goes on, like trying to mess them up, or if she's going to turn it out and be like, oh, they're actually good people and I, I'm rooting for them. I feel now. like when it comes to the Russells, they're going to have a lot of people turn on them. Mm -hmm. But I will say this, I don't know who in the end is going to win, I guess. But like well, you're saying, what's the stakes what's the Well, the here? thing is, like, like the old rich don't have, have as much money as the new rich. That's, that's why they're being forced to acclimate with them. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the point of like that 
charity club or whatever. Like they have to sort of accept the new rich money and they can't fight it forever. But I do have some of the actual reviews if you're done with your uh, yeah, yeah. That's about it. I, I will say I, I didn't have a lot of cons. So overall, I did like this show. I'd what probably give it, it a, a, like somewhere between 7.5 and 8. Do you want to hear the good or the bad? Like, I mean, as far as reviews. What I will go with good first. The I good guess. is that it has an 8.1 on IMDb, and okay. it does seem to be successful. It's definitely being received. Like, every single reviewer out there gave their <laughs> gave their attention to this. Okay, you know, yeah. There are multiple obviously. articles from different big papers and such. That so, like, New York Times, LA multiple Times. Multiple articles, yeah. Yeah, but there's unforgiving reviews. Mm-hmm. So, Mike Hale says, A pale echo of the original that inspired it. One note characterizations, superfluous, muddled. The Washington Post said, all surface, no shine. That was written by Inku Kane, and they called it a dispiriting waste of talent. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then The Guardian, one star, called it sheer agony. The Guardian gave it one star? Redundant. Yeah. I'm surprised by that. And then The Washington Post, who had already... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I was surprised by it because, again, it's female-centric. It seems like kind of a progressive show, and that's what I don't think it matters. Means. But I think it's more about just the rich snobbery. The way it was all. done, yeah, I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody is a fan of creator Julian Fellows. <laughs> but, yeah, The Washington Post also came out with an article that said praised the well-rounded African-American characters and storyline. But they did get five episodes worth as opposed to the one episode that we watched. Oh, so okay. Yeah. Decider did say stream it. So there's another good thing. <laughs> Decider always says But I've it. never seen something have an 8.1 and then also have such, like, trashed reviews sometimes. Did the Ron, did Ron Tomatoes have a score for it? Yeah, it's pretty high. I forgot what it was, but it was pretty high. Okay, so, I mean, it seems like even though these reviewers didn't like it, for the most part, people are saying it's pretty good. Yeah, and Fellows also said that there was a couple things. for Like, first episodes are always a mountain to climb, so he's hoping yeah. that he gets some goodwill from the audience. <laughs> After this, I feel like we're kind of past the drudgery of, like, here's how every character acts, and I'm interested to see where the story actually goes from here. So you are interested in the future of it. Will you watch any more episodes? Probably later on, once I catch up on everything else I need to. Yeah. What do you think the best line was? I know you probably didn't write it down, but I, I have one. Uh, I probably, I think I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about the George Russell thing, where he just screws over the guy who was saying... With the with building a the train uh, track or whatever, yeah. right next to his. Right, yeah. So I, I, <laughs> probably some line from there. That's like my favorite scene, so... The best line I thought was by Agnes when she was talking about um, Marianne, and she said, revolutions are started by clever people with strong views and excess energy. I just thought, like, yeah, that might be obvious but if you take that and you can apply that to anything and it's true it's like there are always clever people behind it they have strong views and sometimes if they're just bored they'll start a revolution it's almost like a joker line in the yes. dark night yeah and so that's why i liked it <laughs> um and so i if you have the patience for it personally i thought it was charming i thought it was yeah still hard to root for some of these families but if you can get over that then you'll probably enjoy it so i would probably give it a passing grade not like super passing but like a seven Okay, do you think if someone saw Succession and then they went to this, it would be... Because they are kind of similar, or do you think that, like... Oh, it depends on what sort of... There's such a wide range of audience for Succession. That's true. I don't know, I can't... But Michael Engler, who did direct this first episode, he also directed two things I wanted to point out. One is The Big C. He directed, like, one of my favorite episodes from that. Oh, was that the... Okay. Like, one of the season finales. And then also, he directed Privileged. (laughs) <laughs> the show that I talked about earlier, so I find it funny it that comes he full circle. Yeah, it comes full circle, and yeah. Anything else you want to put? No, that's it. No, that, that's all I really have. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll be the end for our first episode review of this show, The Gilded Age. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye. <laughs>
Bye.